0: Wow, this is wonderful, this is wonderful. So happy to be seeing you all. A very, very happy Memorial Day weekend to you all today. Hey, I am Dr. Sam Perley, co-pastor of Hugh Church. And it's my privilege and honor to be worshiping Jesus with you all today. We are a new church in the Bay Area. We've been only around for three months. And we are so excited for what's happening amongst us. Now, this might be your first time visiting us, worshipping with us. And we are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. And trust me, you chose a great day because we have a very special guest joining us today. And you'll be hearing from him soon. Now, you might be new to Christian faith or you're exploring Christian faith, and that is you. You are most welcome here, and we hope that you find this place a welcoming place that can help you in your journey with spirituality and with faith. As we partake and worship at Hugh Church, I want to remind you what we are about. At Hugh Church, we are all about Jesus. In fact, our mission is to pursue Jesus and to promote Jesus. To pursue Jesus and to promote Jesus. But how do we do that? How do we live that out in our lives, especially at Hugh Church? Well, first thing, Jesus said, love God, love people. Love God and love people. And we have an opportunity to do that right amongst us. In fact, today is also called the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Now, if you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter. All that means is today is the birthday of the global church, the day when Jesus started his church back roughly about 2000 years ago. So today, how are we going to celebrate? Well, we're going to party because it is the birthday of the church, the day of Pentecost, about 2000 years ago, God sent his spirit to be with each one of his people so that everybody can be united regardless of the backgrounds they come from, different languages, different ethnic groups could come together and be one body of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are celebrating today. So we have many reasons to celebrate and party, whether it's the Memorial Day weekend, whether it's the kickoff to the summer or the birthday of the church. As I mentioned, Jesus wants us to live out what he taught us, and that is to love God and to love people. Now, specifically talking about loving people, we have an amazing opportunity to love people in our community. At Hugh Church, we believe in big hands and big hearts. God has given us big hands and big hearts, and we want to be right with the people living in our community and loving them. So next week is an opportunity for us to be at the Sunnyvale and Wine Festival at the Sunnyvale Art and Wine Festival. We're gonna be there downtown Sunnyvale. The city of Sunnyvale loves us and has invited us, given us a designated space to be there and engage 50,000 people that'll be walking through our space. We're gonna be performing live on stage, on main stage, singing about Jesus at the Art and Wine Festival in Sunnyvale. So I hope you're pumped and excited because we have an opportunity to love people right where people are at. And you can do that. And the way you can do that is by volunteering. You can join there on a Saturday or a Sunday with us. You could do a morning shift. You could spend maybe an hour, maybe a couple of hours and engage people to be with us. What does it look like to engage people at the Art & Wine Festival? Well, look at this video we had from last year. I think uh, the video is, uh, there's a technical glitch. So that's happening this coming Saturday and Sunday, June 3rd and June 4th. When When is it happening? June 3rd and June 4th. So the way for you to get involved is by just clicking a box saying, hey, I'm signing up for the Art & Wine Festival. Right here, there is a checkbox. You can connect there. Let us know that you're interested and we'll welcome you in. And we're going to have a fun time loving the city of Sunnyvale and the Bay Area. Now, as I mentioned, today, we are joined with a very, very special guest. And I will be introducing him to you in a bit. But this is one person that can talk to a specific topic that is very relevant in the Bay Area. You see, in the Bay Area, a lot of people move for opportunities. Opportunities for work, making an impact in the companies they work at, living out the American dream in the Silicon Valley tech world. But what if God has a bigger purpose in bringing you to the Bay Area, living here and doing the jobs you do? Today we're going to hear about living out our own journey, a spiritual journey, our faith, being a witness in our workplaces, being a witness in the marketplace. And to help us unpack this topic, we're going to look at two specific passages from the Bible where we have instructions that Jesus and his disciples have given us as to living out our faith in our workplaces. First, I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter uh, chapter five, verses 13 to 16. It's going to be displayed on the screens. Don't worry if you have your Bibles with you. I invite you to pay attention to the scripture and let these words speak to you. You are the salt of the earth. Shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're going to move to the next passage from 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 and 15. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Now, it's my honor to introduce Professor Ravinder David Coyle Pillai. Mm -hmm. Professor David Coyle Pillai did his bachelor's in electrical engineering at IIT Madras, my alma mater, and then went on to get his master's and PhD at Caltech. He authored over 100 publications on the topic of wireless technology and spearheaded some of the early mobile communication technology while working at Sony Ericsson. In fact, he was awarded the best inventor of the year multiple times in his career. He has authored more than 32 US patents, about 11 Canadian patents, and 19 European patents. Right now, David Kowalpalli is um, serving as a professor of electrical engineering at IIT Madras. He recently served as the head of the department of the electrical engineering department at IIT Madras. He was the dean of IIT Madras and helped start different campuses, including IIT Hyderabad. And it's a pleasure that he is joining us today. But on a personal note, I am so glad because Professor David Kolpilai was my undergrad mentor. When I was studying at IIT Madras, I had the privilege of being mentored by him. He was my thesis advisor, and more importantly, he taught me the way he lived his life and through his example, how to be an effective witness at my workplace, how to integrate our faith and our work lives. Are they two separate things? Well, I've learned a great deal from him. So without further ado, I would welcome Professor to come up uh, here and lead us in this wonderful topic. Thank you, Professor. Can we give him an applause?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Greetings to you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is indeed a joy and an honor to be with you this morning to be at Hugh Church, and to explore this uh, important topic of being a faithful witness in the marketplace. I thank Pastor Sam for the opportunity for us to spend this time together and to explore what God's Word has to say about being an authentic witness, a faithful witness in the marketplace. Let us begin with a time of prayer. Most loving and gracious Heavenly Father, We thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given to us. Thank you, Master, for this opportunity to gather together as your children and to look at your word. May you speak to each one of us. May you touch our hearts. May you make your word come alive to us this morning. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. I would like to begin by looking at the definition of the word witness. Witness, as you know, is a person who has seen something happen and is able to tell other people about it later. For example, in a court of law. From a biblical perspective, a witness is someone who has experienced the goodness of God has experienced the, the gift of salvation, and who's able to share this news with others. A witness is not about us. A witness is all about what God has done in our lives. I'd like you to imagine an auction hall packed with people, like, just like we have this morning. Everybody's eager to see what the auctioneer is going to put up for the auction disappointed it's a dusty old violin. The auctioneer picks up the violin. It's battered and scarred and the auctioneer feels it's not worth much. Maybe it's a waste of time to auction this violin but still he holds it up with a smile. He starts speaking. What am I bidding good folks? He cried. Who will start the bidding for me? A dollar? A dollar? Maybe two. Only two. Only two dollars. Who'll make it three? Three dollars. Three dollars. Going once, twice. But no, there's a man at the far end of the room who stands up. He's old. He's gray-haired. He comes forward. He takes the violin from the auctioneer, picks up the bow. He dusts off the old violin, tightens the springs, and then starts to play a melody. It is so pure, so sweet, just like the angels sing. The music ceases, and the auctioneer takes up the violin once more. And with a voice that is quiet and low, he says, What am I bidding for this violin, folks? A thousand dollars? Who will make it two? Two thousand dollars. Who will make it three? Three thousand dollars. Three thousand dollars once, twice, thrice, and gone. The people cheered. We do not know... What made the change? What made it? change its worth? And swift came the reply. It was the touch of the master's hand. Our lives are often like that old violin, battered, out of tune, and appearing to be worthless. And then comes the master's touch. The master who created us with a specific plan and a purpose. And his touch transforms our lives. He brings back the harmony. He restores the purpose of our lives. And this is the call for you and me to be a witness to share with others what God has done in our lives. So this morning I would like to explore with you what the Bible teaches about the truth of the Lord's touch upon our lives. I'd like to share this message with a number of examples. I begin with an example of a person that you may have seen on the silver screen, the story of Eric Little, a Scottish Olympic athlete. He was a missionary to China. He represented the United Kingdom in the Paris Olympics and his story was made famous by the movie The Chariots of Fire. He was called the Flying Scotsman in the 1924 Olympics, Eric Little was chosen to represent the United Kingdom in the 100 meters. But he refused to run in the heats because the heats was being held on a Sunday and his faith did, did not permit him to take part in that event. Instead, Eric Little ran in the 400 meters. He won the Olympic gold, setting, setting an Olympic and a world record. And then that was the crowning moment of his athletic career. But here is the rest of Eric Little's story. Eric Little was born in 1902 to missionary parents in China. All through high school and university he was an outstanding sportsman and an athlete. His crowning moment of course came in Olympics 1924 in Paris. After the Olympics, he came home to the United Kingdom as a hero who could have had the pick of jobs. He could have represented the United Kingdom in a number of government positions. However, he felt his call to return to the place of his parents as a missionary to China. This was God's will. This was God's call upon his life. So in the year 1925, just immediately after the Olympics, he went back to China as a missionary teacher. He would teach English, he would teach sports and through this ministry he would touch the lives of hundreds of Chinese young people and share with them the Christian values. 1943, World War II had begun, the Japanese invasion happened, and he was sent to a prisoner of war camp. And even in the prisoner of war camp, uh, his his spirit was bubbling forth. His excellence as a Christian enabled him to be a leader. He was arranging games, he was teaching science to those in the prison. And he was overflowing with joy, with the love of life, with enthusiasm, and with charm. Fellow prisoners of war would say that that's the closest they ever came to seeing an angel. A few years, 1945, he suffered from a brain tumor and died in the prisoner of war camp. Now you may think that Eric Little could have accomplished so much in the secular world. But his call was and he felt and was obedient to the call to be a faithful witness in the place that God had had led him to. And we see him as a true witness of what he believed and through his life was a blessing to many, many people. So a witness... It's about sharing with others what God has done in your life. And from the examples that we will see today, we draw four essential values of a witness. A witness must be authentic. It must be truthful. A witness must be personal. It must be your own experience. It cannot be a second-hand experience. A witness must be a lifestyle. It must be based on how you live your life more than what you speak. There's a famous quotation which says, be a witness, use words if necessary. Your life should speak for itself and that is the essence of being a witness. So witness must be authentic, a witness must be personal, a witness must be based on lifestyle and finally a witness must be lifelong. It is not for a period of time. There is no retirement age. Young or old, we are called to be a witness. As followers of Christ, it is a lifelong commitment. So to be a witness, a faithful witness, authentic, personal, a lifestyle and lifelong. The Bible uses three illustrations or models for us to understand what is a witness, which was what was read for us this morning. Passages in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 5. I'd like to walk you through and draw out the essence of those three illustrations. Let's begin with the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writing to the Corinthians draws upon an image that was very familiar to the Corinthians. After a victory of the Roman army, The Roman army would walk through the streets of the big cities led by the generals who had won the battle followed by the army and then the the conquered people who would follow behind and the priests would walk in front burning an incense so there would be an aroma and this aroma would spread through the whole city. And even if you are not there watching the parade, just by sensing the aroma, you would know that the Roman army had actually won a victory on the battlefront. Paul uses this familiar analogy that is so well known to the Corinthians and tells them that as a Christian, you must be an aroma you must be an aroma of Christ so that the fragrance of the knowledge of the Lord just permeates your environment. People must be able to sense saying, this, there is a presence of a Christian in this, in this environment. So a Christian in the marketplace can be an aroma. It is subtle but it is unmistakable. It is associated with authentic Christianity. We move on to the uh, the illustrations used by the Lord Jesus as he spoke on the on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel. He gave us two powerful models of how a Christian witness should be. Jesus said that to his followers that you, as a witness, are like the salt of the earth. The salt is a universal preservative agent. It is used in food and used in everyday cooking and it is an essential ingredient that enables us to savour food. It is felt in our taste. It is something that we can perceive. It is something that we can always identify when it is missing. And... We find that in in, in Jesus' day, most of the the salt that they had, it came from the Dead Sea. And sometimes it had a lot of impurities. When mixed with impurities, the salt was not of much value. It would lose its saltiness. But on the other hand, if it was salt in its pure form, then it would have an effect that would be very perceptible in everyday life. So an aroma that is subtle, salt that is perceptible and a third model that was given to us by the Lord Jesus was that that we are the light of the world. A light not that we shine of our own, it is a light that we reflect of the glory of God and this is a light that transforms the darkness that is around us. It is the light of the Lord Jesus that we reflect and as, and as a witness we, we stand as a testimony to what he can do. So three models for effective Christian witness. One as aroma that is subtle, a salt that is perceptible and light that is transformative. So then we ask our questions, now where do we act as a witness? Is it just in my home? Where do we act as a witness? Let me answer this question by looking at the domains in which each of us live our lives and are engaged. These are called the seven mountains. These are the seven domains in which we work and and live. It's the domain of family, education, business, government, religion, media, entertainment. These are distinct environments. You could, you could map all of your domains into one of these or maybe create more. But the important thing is that your sphere of influence, wherever you can play a role, where your presence can make a difference, that is your sphere of influence. And in that sphere of influence, in some of them, you may be an aroma, just a subtle presence in, in, among the people. In some, you may be like the salt that is very perceptible. And in some, you may be a light that is transformative. And this is the call for you and me, to be a, a, a aroma, a salt, and light in the spheres that we are, are called to engage with. Now, you may ask the question, can you and I, make a difference. You know, just, just as, uh, as somebody uh, who is, I understand, God has called us. Uh, I understand what it means to be an aroma, to be salt and to be light. And how do we begin? how do we begin? How do we start? What are some of the insights that you and I can get from the Bible which says, how, do we be a, how can we be a faithful witness? And here are some insights about being a faithful witness that I would like to share with you. Now, com- many of you know Compassion International. is an organization that helps children uh, in, ma- in underprivileged parts of the world they help them with education they educate, help them with health and with a holistic spiritual instruction more than 2 million children across 26 countries are blessed by this uh, by this ministry and each of those children have a sponsor and now it's very interesting to note that uh, one of these sponsors who was part of this program was uh, mr george w bush senior he was the former president of the usa He and his wife became sponsors of a young boy in the Philippines and his name was Timothy. Now, of course, uh, if he had used the name Bush, of course, they would have associated him with the president. So he identified himself as George Walker. And as a president, he could have, of course, gotten one of his staff members to write periodic notes to Timothy and to tell him that that he, he cared for him. But you see, he wrote handwritten notes the president of the U.S., writing handwritten notes to a sponsored child. He wrote to him regularly. He expressed his love and kindness. Timothy is today 28 years old. Timothy knows what the love of Jesus is. And he knows that the love of Jesus is real. And why? Because of a Christian witness, the Christian witness of President Bush. So we see that a faithful witness has to be authentic. A faithful witness has to be authentic to be, to be effective. So we then move on to see what the Lord Jesus says that uh, the uh, faithful witness is something that you and I are called to do. A faithful witness must be personal, a faithful witness must be authentic. Let's move on to understand. Who is called to be a faithful witness? The Lord Jesus, his final words to his followers, just before he was carried to to heaven, these are the words that he spoke, recorded for us in Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1. In Matthew 28, the Lord Jesus told his followers, Go to all the nations baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. The focus is on the word of making disciples, to go. And then in Acts chapter 1, the Lord Jesus says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. The, Holy Spirit will, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Pastor Sam referred to today being the day of Pentecost. That was the day the Holy Spirit was given. Why was it given? The Lord Jesus says the power of the Holy Spirit will come so that you can then be my witnesses. So it is a powerful day for us to reflect on what it means to be a witness. So we see that through the Great Commission, the Lord Jesus commissioned you and me every one of us no exception to be a witness and not only that he also gave us the the assurance of the of the power of the holy spirit to come upon us so that we can be uh, an effective witness in the marketplace so you and I have been commissioned commission means set apart and given a task a responsibility to be a faithful witness in the marketplace and th- this is the one that where jesus says that you will you will be the ones who will carry forth the the, ex- the expression of of our faith and the way you would live and you are, we will be enabled by the holy spirit to to accomplish many things Now you may ask, what are these things that the Holy Spirit will give us? These are called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what are some of these things? It is what you and I experience on an everyday life. It is the gift of leadership, the gift of encouragement, the gift of serving, the gift of teaching. Many of these are gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you and me so that we can be effective within our body of believers and as a body of believers we can be effective in reaching reaching the world. The truth of what God has given to a teacher, has taught, Bible teaches us is that every one of us has been gifted. Every one of us has been gifted in a unique way. Every one of us has been gifted so that we can use our talents to build up the local body but also to become a believer and a witness and a testimony in the outside world. We can be a witness that is authentic, we can be a witness that is personal. There is a popular song by Zach Williams, it is called The Chain Breaker. The chorus of the words go like this. Some of you, I'm sure many of you recognize this. If you have got pain, Jesus is a pain taker. If you, have got, if you feel lost, he is a way maker. If you need freedom, he is a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. And if you have experienced the Lord Jesus in any of these dimensions, if you believe it, if you receive it, and if you can feel it, then stand up and testify. Just say what the Lord has done for you. And that will make you and me a witness in the marketplace. So we see that the Lord Jesus not only commissioned us to be witnesses, he also enabled us, he also equipped us to be a faithful witness in the marketplace. It is said that being a witness is actually very simple. Begin with what you can, what you can do. Begin with what you have and begin where you are. It is not about doing something uh, extraordinary. It's about doing the everyday things, but doing them with commitment, with, with uh, the desire to honor and to, uh, to share with others what God has done in your life. I'd like to move on to the last two aspects of being a witness. For this, I would like to use as a case study the writer of the Gospel of Luke. Luke was the writer of the Gospel, also the writer of the book of Acts. Luke, as we um, know from the the historical records, was a physician. He was not an Israelite by birth, he was a Gentile, but he was very well-educated. He was very well educated in the Greek culture and in the Greek language. Luke had a unique gift. And that gift was to assimilate information from many different sources, from many different eyewitnesses. Just like a doctor could listen to all your different um, you know, uh, symptoms and then understand what is the root cause. He was able to synthesize the various sources of information into a clear, concise, accurate record like that of a historian. Luke was, uh, was somebody who, who learned, who got his information from eyewitnesses. He carefully examined all the information that was shared with him about the Lord Jesus, his birth, his ministry, all of the things surrounding the crucifixion, the resurrection, ascension and that is what he wrote in the gospel and in the book of Acts. But he wrote it with precision and accuracy so that everyone who reads it, who doesn't necessarily have to have a Jewish background, but you will still be able to understand and appreciate what he has observed and has recorded. But what I would like to do is take you to, into a closer look at the life of Luke. Now Luke was, as you know, was, as we said, was very well educated. He was a wealthy man. He was somebody from a wealthy background. He had two options. He was working closely with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was going on these missions to share the gospel, to be a witness just as God had called him to be in in parts that had never heard about about the Lord Jesus. So he was going on these journeys called the missionary journeys. Now Luke had two options. He could be Paul's sponsor, underwrite his expenses so that others could go. Or he could leave behind his medical practice and all of his comforts of his home, and then go along with Paul, marching thousands of kilometers on foot, many places, hardships, being in prison, everything to experience the hardship. We find that Luke chose the second option he gave up an affluent lifestyle, he gave up all of these uh, things that he could have done if he had stayed at home and accompanied Paul on his missionary journeys. And through this was... Completely transformed as he learned from Paul all the things about the, the planting of churches. And Luke, in his own way, became then a witness of all that he has seen so that he could write it in, his, in the book of Acts and in the, in the Gospels. So that through his writings, he would become a witness not only in his generation but to every generation that would follow, even to our generation and the generations that will come after us. He's the only non-Jewish author in, included in the Holy Bible. He has written almost a quarter of the New Testament. He is a person who has written eyewitness accounts and through his life was a faithful witness. Luke was somebody who was a witness, authentic and personal and he was somebody who was, uh, demonstrated it in his everyday life. There's a a quotation by Reverend Edmund Schua, which says, who is is called to be a witness? Who is called, uh, uh, is every one of us called? And this is how he answered this question. He said, every heart with Christ is a missionary. Because you have a message to share with somebody else. And every heart without Christ is a mission field. Every heart with Christ is a missionary Every heart without Christ is a mission field. The person next to you at the office or living in the apartment next door or in the house across the street may be your mission field. And this is where God has called us to be an effective, a faithful witness so that we can represent him in the marketplace. Steve Douglas of the Campus Crusades for Christ, he says that as Christians, we must have one goal, That everyone in this world, everyone in this world, without exception, must have an opportunity to see a Christian life modeled and talked about by someone who genuinely follows Christ. That in other words, everyone in this world must have an opportunity to see an authentic, genuine Christian witness. The question that I'd like to pose to you today is, will you and I commit to be One such witness. So looking at the examples that we have seen up to now, a faithful witness in the marketplace is somebody who is authentic, somebody who is personal. Luke was very personal. Through his journeys with the Apostle Paul, made it clear that he was a committed witness. I'd like to now take you to a story, a true story, which happened in the the place that I come from, southern India. This is the biography of Dr. Paul Brand. The biography is called Ten Fingers for God. uh, I would strongly encourage every one of you to read it. Dr. Paul Brand was a missionary doctor who came from the United Kingdom and came as a surgeon at the Christian Medical College in Vellore in southern India, very close to where we live. Dr. Paul worked with patients who were suffering from leprosy. Now, uh, I'm not sure how much you know about leprosy. Leprosy, 60 years ago, was considered a dreaded disease. It was a disease that affected the extremities, your fingers, your toes, your nose, your ears. Basically, uh, they would become desensitized, eventually infected and gnarled so that you will not be able to use your your fingers. But more than that, leprosy carried a social stigma. If you were found to have been affected by leprosy, you would be shunned and moved out of society. You could not interact with the mainstream of, 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 of the society. One such patient, his name was Sadhan. His uh, full name was Sadagopan, but he, he was referred to him as Sadhan. Sadhan was a happy young boy growing up in the city of Kanchipuram. Um, went to school like everybody else, played like everybody else, did not know that he had contracted leprosy. At the age of eight, he started to have some symptoms. Some patches appeared on his skin. He ignored it, just you know, continued with life. But by the age of 14, he had reached a point where the leprosy was very visible. He was shunned. He was pushed out as an outcast. He, was, uh, he and his family uh, were considered as outcasts. Society can be cruel. Society can be cruel. And he was thrown out of school. He had no option to do anything which was connected with mainstream society. More than that, there was no treatment, no friends, and no life. That was the story of sadhan. It was a miserable existence until sadhan was referred to Dr. Paul Brand. There was an eventful journey. On the bus, he was thrown out because they found out that he had leprosy. Basically, even to get to Velo, to get to the point of meeting Dr. Paul Brand was such a struggle. But once he met him, Dr. Paul Brand said that he would help him through a series of surgeries. He healed his, his gnarled hands and feet to the point where Sadhan would be healed of the, of the signs of leprosy and then he would return to normal life. But the years that he had suffered, he had left a deep mark on him. The scourge of leprosy left him with grief and pain and the years of loneliness. But now Sadhan was happy because he had a new lease on life. Years later... Philip Yancey, the, the, uh, the, the famous uh, author, was trying to compile the, the information to write a memoir of Dr. Paul Brand. So he came to Vellore and wanted to meet some of his patients. And one of the people he met was Sadhan. And he asked Sadhan about his experience with leprosy. And he expected to hear a long narrative on how much pain, how much suffering, all that he was. But he was surprised... When he heard the answer of Sadhan, he said, Apart from leprosy, I would not have known Dr. Brand. I would not have known the God who lives in him. Apart from leprosy, I would not have known the God who lives in Dr. Paul Brand. What does it take for someone who has gone through so much of pain and suffering of one of the most dreaded diseases to say that they were willing to go through all of this to experience the witness of a genuine Christian who shared with him what it means of God's love. That is a reminder for us that our lifestyle, Dr. Paul Brand, did not preach to Sadhan but his lifestyle was the witness and it was such a powerful witness that it was enabled somebody like Sadhan to say I'm willing to take all of the, the struggles of leprosy for the one joy of knowing a genuine Christian witness we come to the final question a witness has to be personal it has to be authentic it has to be lifestyle but for how long? that's a very important question and we would like to look at the Bible for an answer to this question. I would like you to take you to the, the a famous hero of the Bible. His name is Nehemiah. Now after the fall of the northern and the southern kingdoms, the people of Israel were taken as captives into the country of Babylon. Babylon was overthrown by the Persians and now these people are slaves in the land of Persia. Nehemiah, Israelite, but now a slave in the country of Persia. And Nehemiah is being a faithful witness. He is a courtier of the, of the king Artaxerxes. He's a cupbearer. Cupbearer means somebody who carries the wine for the king, and he's a very trusted courtier. So he is being a witness in his own way. But Nehemiah gets the call of God to go back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians and to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah obeys. He goes back, rebuilds the wall. With much prayer, a wall that has been, uh, uh, been uh, laying broken for decades gets rebuilt in exactly 52 days. And this begins the restoration of temple worship, of sacrifices, of the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. And there is a spiritual revival of the people who are there in Jerusalem. Nehemiah then gets appointed as the governor of Judah and he serves there for 12 years. But the story does not end there. Now somebody who has been a slave has come back to his home country and now is a governor and being a witness and a testimony would probably think that that's where God has called me. I'm here serving God, serving God, serving my people and I'm being a witness. But the call of God comes to him to go back to Persia, back to being a slave. Nehemiah, obedient, goes back. Story does not end there. A few years later, he comes back to Jerusalem to see how things are, and he finds that all that he and and, uh, and Ezra had set up is now has been has, has gone down. He finds that the practice of tithing has been discontinued. The Levites have been uh, have been uh, not given their share. The Sabbath practices have been have been broken. More than anything else, Tobiah. Was a person who had opposed Nehemiah from building the wall. Now, the chief priest had given him a room to stay in the temple premises. Nehemiah comes there and says, This is not on. He does not, he's not part of of, of our people. He has no share in this. He cleans up the temple, he cleans up Jerusalem. Nehemiah is an old man, but his witness and his testimony continued on. So we find that. A, a faithful witness has to be authentic, has to be personal, it has to be a lifestyle, and, most importantly, it is for a lifetime. I'd like to bring this uh, uh, study to a close by looking at one of uh, a favorite example of mine. This is the, a picture of Cape Hatteras, a lighthouse, a famous lighthouse on the coast of the coast of North Carolina. This is one of the tallest lighthouses it was built in the year 1870 and it was something that was very visible if you drive along the east coast of of, of North Carolina When it was built it was uh, it was several uh, uh, quite a distance from the from the ocean but with the rising water levels uh, the water level has now come much closer just as you see in the middle picture and with the sea tides coming in so close, the water rubbing constantly against the foundation of the lighthouse, this was in danger of collapsing. So in the year um, 1970, they decided that, you know the question was, should we just abandon the lighthouse so that it at some point will collapse or should we do something to protect and preserve? So they decided that they wanted to preserve this lighthouse. So therefore, they put a set of rails under the lighthouse Not easy, almost 5,000 tons, moved it inch by inch to a point that it was about 1,500 feet from the ocean. You can see it on the bottom figure. And all of this is to preserve the lighthouse and the the function that it served. And I use this as an example to remind you and me that we as witnesses are like that lighthouse. Satan's attempts will be to cause our uh, witness to collapse like the sea would have done to the lighthouse. But you and I need to keep it protected. We need to keep it defended and so that the lighthouse will stand, that your witness and mine will be an authentic witness, will be a personal witness, it will be a lifestyle witness, and it will be a lifetime witness. You and I have been called to be a witness of the blessings that we have received. We have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. The Apostle Peter reminded us, Apostle Peter was someone who was an authentic witness, he was just an ordinary fisherman, he was called by the Lord Jesus to be a disciple and then eventually made a pillar of the church, this is what the Lord, uh, Apostle Peter says, Peter calls us by four descriptions, he says you are a chosen people, you and I are a chosen people, we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy nation and we are God's special possession, Why? that you and I may be witnesses, that we may declare the, the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. A faithful witness in the marketplace, authentic, personal, lifestyle, and lifelong. To bring it all together, each of us have been commissioned and we have been equipped We are called to be an aroma, the salt, and the light in our respective spheres of influence. We are called to be a witness that is authentic, that is personal, a lifestyle witness, and lifelong witness. Each of us have been given gifts, unique, with the purpose that we will use it to build the body of Christ, but also be witnesses in the marketplace. Remember, every heart with Christ is a missionary. Every heart without Christ is a mission field. My prayer for you today is that each of us will have a witness that someone watching us will say, apart from leprosy, I would not have had the opportunity to know the God who lived in Dr. Brand." Maybe take a moment to close our eyes and reflect on what God has been speaking to us about being a witness, about being an authentic witness, a personal witness, a lifestyle witness. The gifts that God has given us, the spheres of influence that God has placed us in and how we can be an aroma, how we can be salt and how we can be light. And as we reflect upon it, May I invite Pastor Kevin Ford to come and lead us in a prayer of commitment that we may honor God with our lives. Amen.